Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I have Dr. Pamela Girali on the show. Dr. Girali is a visionary and pioneer in spiritual growth and transformation. She captivates readers and audiences with wisdom and practical guidance from the blueprint for the human spirit, her holistic model for conscious, compassionate living. She is an architect for the human spirit. Pamela is a registered nurse with a master's degree in public health and a doctorate in holistic health sciences. Thank you so much for coming to the program, Pamela. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm really excited to share what I've been learning and how it's changed my life. Wonderful. Well, let's just jump right in at the beginning um, a little bit about your childhood and how you came upon this, this great work that you're doing now. Yes. Well, I was raised in a very tiny town, in a very conservative home, in a very fundamental Christian uh, church. And as a result of that, it was quite narrow, quite limiting. I often say that I was raised with the unholy trinity of guilt, shame, and fear because of that. And that took a lot to overcome. But I had a lovely childhood. It was very safe in the country. We were very independent, self-sufficient. And and so I grew up in a a loving home. I don't feel as uh, that I was limited. But later, I realized that the belief system was limiting because I feared God And I felt that I could never measure up. So when I left home and went to college to become a nurse and pursue a career in public health, I left all that behind and I had nothing spiritual or religious in my life for many years because it was a negative. And eventually I found my way. It was most interesting that a leadership conference was the first time that I did visioning and journaling. And I had this almost transformative experience that led me down a whole new path. And shortly thereafter, I left my job to pursue a spiritual path and to learn as much as I could and be all that I could be. So it was a huge shift. And you were doing some some wonderful work with at the cancer center and and helping people just overcome serious illness. Exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure that that taught you 
taught you a lot also. Yes. Um, so leaving that behind was yes. a huge shift because I was lost for a while. I didn't know exactly what to do or how to proceed. But because um, my career was how I identified myself, it was who I was, my work. But of course, now I have a whole new way of thinking and pursuing life and my work is my life. It is my passion and my purpose. Beautiful. So was this, would you consider it what you went through at this conference with the visioning and journeying sort of a transformative experience? Because it sounds like you just turned your whole life around. <laughs> I mean, it's like a spiritually transformative experience. Yes, I didn't view it at, as that initially right. because I wasn't expecting it, but I had for the first time looked inside, we had to do all kinds of self-assessments. And when I looked at myself and I had to have some of my peers and my superior and, and friends uh, also filled out some forms about me. And I learned some things about myself that I didn't really like. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I had some learning to do. I had some growth to do. And I had some, uh, you know, it was a chance for me to change things that I didn't really like about myself. Right. So the blueprint for the human spirit and the conf confessions you talk about in your book the dance of ego and essence. Um, I just love, tell us a little bit how that came about. Yes. Well, after I left my job, I became a spiritual junkie yes. and I read everything that I could get my hands on. I went to all kinds of workshops and expos. I was searching. I was just searching so intently to find answers I wasn't sure what I was looking for, but I tried all the practices and, and I still didn't feel comfortable with it because I was raised with fear and I was afraid that someone would lead me down the wrong path. And of course that would be far worse, <laughs> but eventually I was given a amazing gift. I was awakened in the middle well, it was more morning, 3.30 in the morning. For some reason, that's when the skies are clear and, and information flows in to a lot of people. And for six months, I received divine downloads three or four days a week. And I would lay in bed and for about an hour and a half and all this information would flow in. And I would lay there and try to remember it. And then I'd get up and enter the information into my computer. And it started as a simple mind, body, spirit triangle, and it kept growing and growing. And with each of the new information that flowed into me, I was almost given opportunities to learn firsthand what it meant and how it affected me. And so this blueprint evolved in harmony with my personal growth. And it was so powerful that it, it totally changed my life because I shifted every perception that I had about life, about myself, about love, and it guided me. And I knew that it was so powerful, it could also help other people. So this is the gift that I received, the first one, <laughs> and it evolved and it continued to evolve until now I have this beautiful matrix that has, uh, five dimensions, physical, mental, emotional, intuitive, and spiritual, and five 
fields of existence, the energetic or quantum, self or personal, social or relational, global and eternal. And so it all fits together in this beautiful, beautiful matrix with sacred geometry. And at the time, I didn't even know what that was. So it was just such a gift that changed my life. Could you please um, define sacred geometry for our listeners? Well, every shape has energy. And so the uh, shapes, there are quite a few different ones, but circles or spheres are all about wholeness and oneness and triangles are about change and growth. And so my uh, sacred geometry associated with the blueprint has those two elements and tetrahedrons and things like that. So every shape is different. And certainly a tetrahedron has a triangular base, unlike a pyramid. And so, and it can be upward or downward. And and so all of that changes, but the um, geometry, just like images and pictures and uh, nature, they bypass the brain so that we can understand. It's almost inherent within us to know what those things mean and how they make us feel. So it's, it's, uh, I don't study it or anything, but it just came along with all the information with the blueprint. And it reminds me a lot of times of the cosmos and astrology. And you just think of, um, you know, you just think of sacred geometry. It's really how the world is, mm-hmm. world is, is cre- um, has been created. Right. So I know a few of your confessions, as you call them in the book, because they were things that you were, you found out you wanted to work on. And I just wanted to talk a little bit, just, just about a couple of them and Um, The first one I will mention is from doubt to certainty. Yes, yes. Well, before I talk about that, may I just explain a little bit about how this book came to be? Because it's very powerful experience. I mean, we've, a lot of us have had what we call spiritually transforming experiences. And this truly was one. I had uh, viral thyroiditis, which was very bad. I was down in bed for about six months and could hardly do anything. And for someone who was so energetic and so lively and healthy, and that was a low blow, but it was almost like the universe was saying, you need to slow down. And I had been working on about six different committees and projects and doing everything but my work. And so it It was almost like, well, if you can't say no, we'll help you. (laughs) So I said, I just rested and healed. And when I felt well enough, I said, I am ready to resume my passion and my purpose, the blueprint. I am ready to work. So what would you like me to do first? And I had a lot of incomplete projects. I thought, well, you know, one of those. But no, I was guided to get up early, to go to my office, to meditate and journal confessions for 40 days. And at first, I didn't get a number. And I thought, okay, I can do this for 21 days. It was like, "Mm -mm." okay, 30, 40 days. Okay. And I thought, 40, why 40? But when I started researching it and thinking about it, I realized that 40 
is the number of rebirth. And there are so many stories in the Bible and other sacred literature about 40. You know, we're talking about the 40-day flood and 40 years in the wilderness and gestation is 40 weeks. And, you know, so there's so many things about 40 that are really important. So I came to my office not knowing what was going to happen and just sat on my chair, lit a candle to kind of give myself a little focus and closed my eyes and paused in the silence. And within a few minutes, a word came to me, discipline. You have got to be kidding. I can't stand the idea of anybody telling me what to do or why to do it. I thought, oh my goodness, there's my first confession. (laughs) So I wrote that down and then outflowed in almost like automatic writing, my personal experience with discipline. I was disciplined very harshly because of the religion and the conservative home I was raised in. But discipline, when we... uh, integrated into ourselves, it becomes self-discipline. And that's something that we have to do. And then discipline, when we learn how to say no to one thing, then we can say yes to something else. And discipline transforms into direction. And we choose our own path and move forward. So that was the very first day. And I was like, oh my, wow, look what I had learned. You know, look where I've shifted. And the next day, every day I received a word. And so you had asked about uh, certainty and how um, doubt becomes certainty. Well, I doubted myself a lot because everything I thought I knew, I, I realized wasn't right. You know, I was taught to fear God. You know, God is love. And, um, and I doubted myself because I had had a marriage that didn't work out um, in the past and I had just remarried. Uh, and so uh, after I switched on to my spiritual path, but I doubted some of my decisions. I just didn't know whether I was good enough or making the right choices. But then I learned to listen within. I learned to trust my intuition. And this beautiful gift of intuition is something that we all have, but most of us have shut it down. You know, when our children have that, but we're told no, uh, you know, you have to color within the lines and don't listen to that, or you know, you don't see angels and (laughs) things like that, but you learn how to trust that inner voice. And I realized that inner voice is divine guidance And we call it all different things, but that is when we can learn to trust that, then we know that uh, for certain the answers are within us and what we know and what we can feel. I mean, when I experience what I call truth, I get goosebumps and I have this shiver in my body and I just know it's right. I know the answer is right. So that is how doubt transforms into certainty. Mm, I love that. And it is so true to when we validate children, you know, let's say seeing angels, deceased loved ones, or having having friends that are what 
what we would call imaginary, but validate and listen and be quiet with them and encourage them to, you know, ask questions. And for us to ask them questions, it helps them to trust their inner guidance. And and what a gift at a young age, right? I mean, we had to wait and do it when when we were older. (laughs) So I didn't even know I was intuitive, you know. And and of course, when you come from a science background in, in nursing, you know, everything's very logical and yes. rational and, and you're very skeptical and, and you have to follow the science. And <laughs> right, right. So what is your, I don't know if the, the word would be favorite, but what is the, one of the confessions that they're both, all, they're all so important, but that just really, you feel impacted, you know, that you thought of days after and it just really turned your life around. Oh, there were so many and, (laughs) and they're universal issues. I want to point that out because this isn't just about me. Absolutely. What I did was I just went with the process and became so radically honest. It was almost scary. And I think what that does is gives other people permission to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that. We have to get real with ourselves if we're going to make a difference in our lives. If we're going to get past all those blocks and blunders and, you know, bluffs, you know, that we use to try to make ourselves look good and, you know, be successful. But there are so many things. And one that really touched me a lot was from flawed to innocent. And it, it happened later in the process, but I was told over and again that I was unworthy, an unworthy sinner. And that, um, you know, I had to be perfect almost in order to make it inside the pearly gates. And I knew that I couldn't, I knew that I could not be perfect because I just, uh, you know, we're human. No, it is. And we make mistakes. Of course, in that field, in that religion of my youth, they weren't mistakes. They weren't errors. They were sins. And sins meant, you know, you went down instead of up, so to speak. (laughs) But in the process of learning through the, from the blueprint, I realized that True, we are human, but we are also divine. We, no one ever told me about my original divinity. And we were made in the image and likeness of God. I mean, we are godlings here on earth. In fact, Jesus said, and one of the psalmists said, ye are gods. And and so there is that divine part of us that is so pure, that is so innocent and so powerful that when we recognize and embrace that part of us, the essence of our being, instead of, you know, following ego all the time to try to make ourselves look good, (laughs) uh, essence, if ego only knew essence was perfect anyways, you know, it would be much easier, but we are innocent. And that's something that I found so powerful and it reminded me of a very important um, spiritually transformative experience that I had. Another one, 
I had the blueprint and worked with it for about, oh, six years. And it was a very interesting intellectual exercise and process. I mean, I was thrilled because I like charts and things, you know, (laughs) it appealed to my left brain. It was overly developed. (laughs) And then one morning I was meditating and I'm not good at it because I'm hyper. And, but I was sitting on my lanai, it was raining. And very quickly, I went off into Never Never Land, and I experienced a dramatic event in the lives of 15 people. I believe they were past lives or archetypes that are common to all of us, but very specific, gut-wrenching experiences one after the other in an hour and a half to the point where, I mean, I was dying. I was grieving. I was elated with each of these. It was different. And some were children and some were adults. Some were women, some were men. Um, They were from all walks of life. Some were just your basic person, you know, everyday person and others were a little more uh, elevated And they span the ages from ancient Mayan times to more early 1900s. When I came to, (laughs) I ran into my office and I wrote down just a couple of lines in my journal about each one because it was a Sunday and I was going to go to church. And, um, but I wrote them in a different order at which I had experienced them. And that was significant later on because I went to church and my friend said, what happened to you? Because I was so blown away. I just could hardly function. And she said, go home and write about it, write everything that you can recall. And so I did. And someday it will be a book, (laughs) but I wrote their stories down and in the process realized that each one of them reflected a different aspect of my life, each one of them fit into a box of my blueprint matrix. Mm -hmm. They showed me exactly what that meant. Each one of them um, reflected different levels of spiritual evolution. For instance, there were a lot of victims. Well, that's the lowest level of spiritual awareness that there is because we're helpless. We think everything happens to us beyond our control and something that we have to release if we are going to evolve and become our best self and fulfill our higher purpose and whatever. So some of them were victims. And some of them tried hard with ego effort to make things happen and mostly failed. (laughs) And then others got it. They lived consciously and compassionately. And I thought, wow, how perfect is this? I mean, here I had a chance to experience firsthand what the blueprint really was. And from that moment on, it was no longer just an interesting intellectual exercise. It came to life. I had integrated it into my way of being. Well, then one other thing happened. Later that week, I visited a friend who was a counselor. 
had lunch with her and she, she said, would you, you know, I told her all about this right. and she said, well, would you like to do a, reg a regression? And I thought, <laughs> I think I just did one <laughs> anymore, but I said, oh, why not? What's one more, right? <laughs> she guided me back in time. And I was a child at the feet of Jesus when he said, let the children come to me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I thought, wow. wow. I mean, this is, this is 20 some years ago and I still feel this way about it. Yes. In that moment, I knew exactly what that meant. Children are innocent. They're playful. They're loving. They're open-minded. They're not judgmental. They are innocent. They're pure. And everything that we learn as adults, everything that we do on our spiritual path is to get us back to that point, get us back to that state of pure love that children are. And I thought, this is perfect. And that one archetype, the beloved child of God, represents the eternal realm in my blueprint for the human spirit. And so what a powerful, life-changing experience that was. Wow. I mean, uh, it's hard for me to talk about. I mean, someday I have to write this book. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> because yes, you do. <laughs> it, was, it was beyond anything you can describe. But every now and then, we have the opportunity to just experience things and it is through an experience it's not what we read it's not what we know but something we have to fully feel in our bones and in our entire being in order for us to truly be all that we are and experience life in its fullest what what a gift and i think that many feel like these experiences have to be these huge, you know, you don't have to die, you don't have to have a near-death experience or, or some of the other things, but that it can just happen. It can just happen in meditation. It can happen while you're mm -hmm. taking a walk on a beautiful fall yes. day. It, it, yes. And it can happen to everyone, but just to be deep, be present and be aware. Yes. Yeah, and exactly. open, as you and say, trust, trust, yes. and, yes, and think how a little one being around children and the caregiver, the adult, not only at, is that way, but but talks about it and shares and and what are the flowers singing to you? This is what they're saying, or whatever it may be, to try to keep that, you know, keep some of that innocence as we as they begin to navigate life as they get older exactly and I think that is our biggest uh, role with children to show them through our example how to love how to communicate openly how to be present instead of being busy all the time and how to uh, allow them so they too can experience life in the fullest so that we don't squelch their creative spirits and right. 
and make them color inside the lines or whatever, but to um, feel free to express and to share in a way that we can learn so much from them. You know, if we think about how loving and open children are, you know, what a gift that is, if we could just follow in their steps, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Someone said to me the other day that when you, when you share with a child what we're talking about, even though they already, you know, live, live that way in their hearts, but validate, et cetera, then they can happen to life and not just have life happen to them. And it's so true for all of us, right? We just exactly. don't want life to happen to us. We want to happen to life, which <laughs> you are a great example of that. <laughs> well, you know, I have made a commitment to um, just showing up. I do intuitive healing work. And I think I mentioned that I didn't realize I was intuitive. But uh, when it, it evolved in harmony also with the blueprint. And I got to a point where I could uh, just sense things, but only with intention. I don't do yes. this like some people do. It is, it is only with intention and in a state of prayer. And where I uh, allow myself to become like a mirror and I speak in first person and I reflect back to the individual uh, firsthand what I sense and my body goes into motion. So it's not just I'm not hearing things or uh, seeing things, which I, I do that too, but it's more uh, what they call clairsentious. I feel things. I and clear, um, I know things. But when I'm working with somebody, you know, all of a sudden I start moving <laughs> and I just know what those movements mean. In fact, one morning, 3.30 in the morning, I received another divine download. And it's almost like what flowed over my body was this sense of knowing that every part of my body and every motion and every position, I just knew then what it meant. It was just like whoosh, just like that. Right. But in the process, then I learned how to share this gift with others. And when I'm working with someone, I never know what's going to happen because I don't want to know. I don't want my mind to jump to conclusions or make assumptions. But if I'm playing an air piano and I'm talking about harmony and melody and discordance and stuff like I'm like, is music important to you? Oh, yes, I am a concert pianist. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> so, but things like that happen. And in the process, I have forgotten what I was, point I was going to make <laughs> about being intuitive. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> but we know, um, we open ourselves to these special gifts and we share them with others when, when we are guided to do that. Mm -hmm. And in the process, we can make a difference. Well, so you're talking also about feelings and, and that is the part of, you know, feeling from the living from the heart instead yes. of the mind and feelings are so, I think they're so underrated in Western civilization. I mean, you hear people so many times say, well, you shouldn't feel that way or don't feel that way. And 
And oh, it's so important to feel deeply yes. and feel from your heart because that's that's where the truth is, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, if we don't feel things, we don't we can't experience life. We can't right. experience ourselves or our relationships with other people, with uh, our, our relationship with God or with the universe, you know, and consequently feeling is a part of it. My work is holistic and all my efforts are to bring our mind and our heart and our entire being into alignment with essence, with the truth of our being, so that our actions are compatible with our thoughts and our feelings and our knowings. So it's not just about what we think, but it's what we know in the depths of our being. So that to me is like this gut knowing that then is compatible. You know, we just bring it all into alignment so we can live more harmoniously and authentically. Because if we're just functioning out here by our, our brains or, you know, if we're overly emotional and that isn't in alignment with everything else, you know, then we're off balance. And so when we bring it all into alignment, we can find a greater sense of balance and be authentic. And that is a part of what I believe the blueprint really taught me. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, it taught me about how to honor my higher purpose and to find that. Um, I love what I do. You know, I know that I am here to share the blueprint for the human spirit. And one day I was feeling a little smug about having, you know, nailed my sacred mission, so to speak. So I asked my husband, <laughs> who's retired and was you know, at that time he was golfing a lot, hitting a little white ball around, you know, I says, well, you know, I know why I'm here. Do you know what your purpose is? He says, sure. I am here to support you so you can fulfill your higher purpose. And I thought, oh my gosh, you God, isn't that awesome? Wow. Yes. So, so anyways, but I, I, how have you, how have you changed? I mean, do your friends feel like you've changed with with all this work and all these downloads and all this intuition that that's coming forth um how how has Pamela changed yes I've changed from the inside out and when I was in the workplace I was very masculine in my approach I was a very, I was like a bulldozer, right. very pushy. I pushed myself because I became my own worst master, you know, and I pushed other people and I made things happen and I had to be in charge. I, I wasn't always nice about it either. So I think I have become a kinder, more gentle person who is compassionate and dedicated to uh, helping others and to uplifting others. And certainly one thing I did learn is that it doesn't matter where you work or what you do or who you serve. All we have to do is show up every moment as the love that we are. And that was a gift that came to me in the middle of one of my intuitive healings when someone asked me, you know, should I change jobs? And that's the guidance that came to me. I thought, how perfect is that? All we have to do is show up 
as our best self, as love, and we make a difference. Wow. Wow. Well, we need to wrap it up, Pamela. Sure. But what would what would you like to share? Well, you just did actually, but <laughs> any other words of wisdom that you yes. have? <laughs> well, I would encourage everybody to get real with themselves, to get radically honest. Uh, my book, The Dance of Ego and Essence, transformed my life, showed how much I had learned and grown. And I believe everybody can benefit from that information. And it's not like you have to do that process yourself, although it would be great. Because And there is a companion journal that goes with the, nice. the book, The Dance of Ego and Essence. And it's a holistic process, too, because there is uh, time for us to read, then to write, to allow things to emerge, all that the emotional experience to emerge. And then I received wonderful affirmations, which I have turned into cards that also are very lovely. And I received meditations for each of those 40 days plus the epilogue. And I've just spent time with a gifted artist, uh, musician here in Naples, Florida, where I live. And, and he played music behind while I recorded the meditations. And they are so touching, as opposed to being in written form, they're in written form in the in the companion journal. But when the uh, recordings come out, I just think people are just going to be blown away because they are so powerful. But I would encourage everybody to do that. In the process, you can let go of so much stuff that keeps us from fully experiencing life in the fullest, from, from living to our highest potential and discovering our divine blueprint and our birthright which is so magnificent. So I would just encourage everybody to do that and to join me. Uh, I have a series of classes coming out. And so plus these intuitive healings that I do are transforming as well. Nice. Do you have a copy of your book you can, you can um, show? Yes. This is uh, oh, the dance so pretty. I love that purple. My husband took this picture when we were in China and, uh, it was just so perfect uh, because it's like uh, the veil between reality and uh, fantasy or whatever we're living in, you know. And so uh, I just thought it was such a beautiful, beautiful picture mm, that it, it perfectly conveyed what uh, the message of the dance between ego and essence. Right. Oh, so. Beautiful. And Pamela, and we're all divine divas. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. So if people want to find you. How would they do that? I have a website, dr for Dr. Pamela Girali, G E R A L I dot com. And on it, you can find uh, my books. You can find a little bit about me. If you want to hear more about my story, I I wrote and performed a one-woman show yes. called Confessions of a Spiritually Promiscuous Woman, and it's on my About 
page. Of course, my part doesn't really begin until about minute 12. So I kind of advance that that a little bit. But um, anyways, that's my story. And it's kind of a universal uh, story as well of how we discover who we are. But we come full circle. We don't have to leave everything behind. We come to a new understanding of things. And that is also a gift. Mm -hmm. So my book's information about my healing work, which is called Spiritual Blueprinting, is also on there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. You're certainly a gift to the world. You're doing so, so much. And I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much, Marla. I bless you for all you have done to help children and to uplift humanity in your own special way. Thank you. And you have a good rest of the day. Thank you. To you as well. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.